Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday, you know what that means by now, it is Midweek Motorsport Series 15, seems like yesterday since we just did the first one, ah, it's just like watching your children grow up isn't it, series 15 episode, since then though John, uh, that is true, yes, absolutely, uh, series 15 episode 26, it is the 1st of July, and uh, more than halfway through the year, now and we've barely started most of our motor racing seasons but we'll have some news uh, on that tonight uh, with uh, some big news about Le Mans which will be uh, coming up shortly. Uh, on the pack programme we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Uh, By the way that's Tim Gray, our executive producer up in London. Hello. Hello. That's Shay's line. She's not here tonight because it's Canada Day so she's gone off to celebrate being partly Canadian. Or having some Canadian in her or something. Uh, we have all I'm these features. Over that. News. Um, we have uh, Nick Damon. We have uh, Joe Bradley as our ample Shea Adam substitute. Uh, oh, well, he's, he's, he's more ample than Shea Adam. In, he's, in he's most so respects, yes. In so many areas. Benchmark. It's not a high benchmark to be more ample than, it, than Shea, is it? Shea has to walk around in the shower to get wet. Exactly. Yeah, okay. The, the real reason uh, that uh, Joe is here is not for this show, but for the show immediately afterwards, where he'll, he and Nick will be staying on uh, to preview the 2020 Formula 1 season. Uh, even though we did that five months ago, uh, we're doing it again. Well, that's changed. because that, that starts... Uh, fair bit to change. Uh, that starts at the weekend. We've got IMSA... At the weekend, and we'll have some IMSA guests joining us. Uh, it'll be Till Bechtelsheimer and Mark Miller from Gradient. They'll be making their debut this weekend for, for Gradient in uh, GTD at Daytona this weekend. We've got that live for you uh, coming up on... I might have a bit of extra Billy Bonus coverage on Friday. Just working out some details on that. Friday and Saturday uh, is what we're hoping uh, to do with that. Last um, week we hoped to get Darren Turner on the show but he couldn't make it so we've got Darren Turner on the show this week. We've got Darren Turner on the show this week, absolutely we have and we have a very special, fingers crossed when we make the technology work, uh, we have a very special uh, big interview tonight. Uh, we spoke to this gentleman in the IMSA Pro Series earlier on in the season, Michael Haggerty, the CEO of Haggerty. And we had a good chat with Mikhail, and, and we've been talking with him ever since. And I thought we might get him back on the show tonight with him just starting up at the weekends and just generally talk about his love of cars and driving. So that's our big interview tonight. 
Uh, so as I say, all the usual features, plus all of that as well. Yes, and uh, it'll be packed. Uh, it is another liquid soap and shoehorn moment. Let me quickly go through some parish uh, notices. Uh, hello to... Hang on, I've lost my... Where's... Ah, there it is. Sorry, I, I lost my cursor there. Nothing worse. Absolutely nothing worse. Uh, hello to Vizcard. Big weekend coming up. Uh, it looks like you're all going to have a full dance card. Hello to Kevin Payne. Another uh, live listening to the pack show tonight. Thank you for the previously on IMSA. Really good to hear from Gearbox called Girl Jeremy Shaw Racer and your good self bringing us up to speed. Looking forward to a busy weekend. That will be, that's already available for download, by the way, at radio-show.co.uk. Uh, and Sarah Rigby, looking forward to the night show. There's Aston Martin content on it. Of course she is. No EFAs for Justin Henderson, listening live and psyched as this seems almost like the opening weekend of 2020. IMSA, IndyCar, NASCAR, F1 and more. Bring on the talk. We'll be dis- we're discussing a few of those this evening. Austin Hilliard Racing tuning in live to Hour 2. Uh, getting the barbecue cranked up at the moment. Uh, Gradient Racing, well, they'll be tuned in, of course. They will. Kevin Poulton, uh, I'll be uh, listening on the podcast. Um, bit of football news here. He asks, when did Newcastle start playing in McLaren Orange? Yes, very good. Stephen Gardner looking forward as a part of a lazy Canada Day holiday. Hurrah for no work today. Won't be making my first Le this year, unfortunately. But interested to hear how things are going to work for those who might be able to go. Some news in that at the moment. No airfares for Brodie tonight. Uh, the day motorsport came back. Uh, Chris Suku finished a little bit of work before relaxing uh, into the show, faffing in the study for a couple of hours. Perhaps uh, a, a little clarity this evening he's hoping for. Rob Jana. A busy work environment this week. He'll be on the podcast. Alexander Orkin, uh, Freya cooked for this evening. A lovely Italian meatball and pasta supper. Looking forward to a fabulous show after spending the morning photographing nature in Richmond Park. Can't touch you for it if you don't get caught, Alex. Uh, (laughs) Creating Lightly uh, says, good evening. I'll be listening in. Uh, Hello to Yoda's uncle. Uh, who's sorted his problem out this evening is now lifting live, tuned in from home and the Rapini Bunger, the Artichoke Bunger, is on a break until the seed arrives, that's Karen, Carol and Kevin Brink, hello to Neil Gardner tuned in for two hours on a secret race car drawing Neil, that boxster in colour was pure genius, man uh, NG Auto Art, Neil Gardner if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and visit his website, the man is a solid gold 100 percent 220 mile an hour genius uh safe phil tuned in uh we'll be having a bit of tape delay because the huskies have got to go out about nine o'clock listening live for the first time in ages jack gabriel hello seraphina chu great to have some clarity about le mans uh this year will you guys be on site we'll talk about that later uh hello to motorsport uh reg.com uh, as well, uh, and to Daniel O'Leslip, who's glued to his PC. Oh, sorry about that. Hopefully, you can get something that will, you know, be able to break that bond. Pop, I, I find solvents are available. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, s- some kind of uh, nail polish remover normally works uh, for me. Simon Hoff getting ready to listen to live tonight. I think I'll be back trackside till the morning 2021 when we get the normal timetable. Kevin Payne. Uh, listening to the Bentley show while I was listening for uh, waiting for MWM 
um, and heard the observation motorsport should be a test bed for different fuels. 100% agree. Yeah, I agreed with that as well. Football's just finished in time uh, to listen in, says David Rally. Lost, uh, lost count of how many times you've been live in the last few weeks. A rare Wednesday night off for Matt Hawkey Hawkins. Uh, tuning in instead of the usual podcast. Uh, looking forward to the Le Mans section and the Darren Turner interview. Patrick Drone, Chris uh, Asurich, Chris A. Surridge, sorry. Uh, rotation. Uh, no apologies for having strawberries as well as no apologies uh, for absence. Uh, took the day off while flooring crew redid my stairs and I'm working on schoolwork, says Moni. Monica, Billy, we're missing you. And um, we'll miss you in Florida this weekend, but good to know you're tuned in. Hello to Dave Olcock uh, and to Mighty Hetherington and uh, Kevin Payne and Rob Chalmers, training right out the way. Jules Outybridge, as well as uh, Jeff Doughty and, uh, hang on, I've lost my place. Did I say Andrew Mullagreach? Yes, I said, did. Uh, and I think that's all for now at Specutainment. And uh, let's play the jingle for the top story, Tim. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Well, quite obviously, there is only one story that can be our top story. No shuffling of papers required this evening. It is the fact that the ACO put out an announcement yesterday that says 2020 Le Mans is happening. Um, We'll get into the sporting side of that. 19th and 20th of September is when the race will take place. But for a lot of people looking at that yesterday, it will be, well, the question that needs to be answered, it is, can I go? And can I get there? And what is all this news about tickets and who's got tickets and ACO members, what does it mean? Uh, Well, I've got no clue, so let's find out from the experts joining us at the sharp end of the show again this week. We welcome back from Travel Destinations, our travel partners here on Radio Show Limited. Richard Webb, I'm handing this one off to you, mate. You you are getting this one straight straight away. Uh, I suspect more questions than answers for a, a lot of people on this, but Boil it down for us. Le Mans happening. It appears that there are going to be spectators there. Uh, can people still book camping tickets, etc., with you and go to watch what will be a different race in September? Yeah, th- thanks, John. This is a bit like a bit of a hospital pass from you, isn't it? Really? Yeah, really. I've sold you short, mate. You're going you to get crunched, um, yes. Yeah. Um, the answer is yesterday's statement from the ACO was purely about spectators. You know, we, we've seen the previous um, statements about how the race is, they intend to run the race, the the new timetable, all of that, which I'll, I'll let you discuss in greater detail um, with the, the appropriate people. So yesterday's statement from the ACO, yes, as always with statements in of this kind, there are probably more questions than, than answers in within it. But let's let's see what what do we know the race is going to happen the 19th and 20th of september at this moment in time they're going ahead they have said pending further government announcements which of course if if everything goes um smoothly then that's their intention for it to run um should things take a turn for the worse then i guess um uh, they'll make a further decision later on but right now right as we speak today um, the race is going on 19th to 20th of September, and it is going ahead with fans. We will have spectators at the track. 
that's what they have said and that's what they intend. So what does that really mean? Um, it's not going to be the normal crowd. Um, they have said that they will um, limit capacity. Um, they didn't say in their statement what that capacity would be. But, you know, us being who we are, we we kind of understand that the capacity is going to be capped at 50,000 spectators. And they hope that will be enough to get the French government to agree. Um, so um, what does that entail um, on the ground? We we what we do know is that um, some of the grandstands will be open, but not all. So the temporary grandstands um, won't be in place, but the permanent ones obviously will. And they will be running. We understand from our person down there, um, they're going to be running at about two thirds capacity in the grandstands. What we don't know is what that means. Does it mean two seats on, one seat off? Does it mean what does it mean? How it's actually going to work? The, the statement yesterday said we will give you more detail as we go on. Yeah. So what is moment, it? What, what the, the bit I think that most people will be struggling with, Richard, is yeah. ticket allocation because clearly there's some people who've already got tickets, and, and that's fine. You've got tickets. Yep. Those tickets are valid. We talked about that a few weeks ago with you. We now know that they're valid for something. The, the mention of ACO membership has confused a lot of people. But remember, the ACO yep. is a motoring organisation. And um, if you're a member, you get first dibs on quite a lot of things. And those who are members may well have already got their tickets. If not, then they can still apply for tickets. What about everybody else? Because there was... A note on there, a key line, I think, particularly from your point of view and, and your customer's point of view, is that official ticket agents were still allowed to sell the allocation that you've got. Well, Travel Destination is an official ACO uh, supplier of tickets and, uh, and camping. So does that mean that you've still, you can sell right here, right now, at, you know, whatever it is, past eight on a Wednesday night or probably tomorrow morning when you all get back into work. <laughs> yeah, we'll not get them to bring down. Um, yeah. But can you guys still take new bookings from people who have not yet, had not yet made up their, their, their mind? Okay, here's the good news then. So, John, if you wanted to go to Le Mans as a spectator um, and you haven't yet booked tickets, you can call Travel Destinations tomorrow morning from nine o'clock in the morning um, UK time, and you will still be able to get tickets. Bas basically, the way it works. So, yes, ACO members um, are dealing direct with the ACO, and they can do their thing. If you're not an ACO member, right now you cannot phone um, the circuit and start a new booking. If you had booked just camping through um, the circuit direct, then you can go back to them and add entrance tickets to it because obviously one is not much use without the other, mm -hmm. um, but they won't do brand new bookings. However, uh, Travel Destinations as a, an official agency of the, the circuit, we're in a bit of a privileged position. Um, for example, uh, we have private areas at the circuit. So we all know, um, and we keep on going on about the, the the Porsche Curves campsite that we have down there with our private viewing bank, perfect um, for if you don't want to mix with big crowds, you can go to the campsite, you can stay in limited capacity within that campsite and watch the racing from our viewing bank, bring your own tent, you can camp in there. 
Um, we still have a limited amount of space in that campsite, so we are allowed to sell that space. Um, we also have a glamping tent area. Um, we That is on our private land, and again, we can sell more glamping tents. All of this can come with channel crossings and entrance tickets if people want. And grandstand um, tickets as well, if that needs and, to be added on. And, and a limited number of grandstand right. seats, yes. So well, again, that that's um, subject to availability. But the answer is, as of 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, yes. Right, what about Flexitels? Okay, um, our, our Flexitel Village cabins... Um, we are pleased to say that we will, shall be running those as well at this moment in time. So, yes, we can wow. add. The great thing about the Flexitel Village is we can always add some more rooms. So if you're not sure about camping, you don't you want to social distance away from other other members of the public. The Flexitel is the perfect way to do it. You're in a room all of your own with with one other person of your choosing. So they only sleep two people. You can arrive as a couple or two friends and sleep in there comfortably um, and you will be away from the madding crowd. Yeah. So and in September, with weather perhaps not as June like that, that yeah. is probably a good idea. Um, I have to ask this, when will you know you've sold what you can sell? Or is is that how long is a piece of string, Richard? So basically what I'm saying is people don't have a lot of time to make their mind up here, not in, in, in real terms, not in calendar terms. Yeah, the the answer is we cannot give a specific date. We know we understand that the capacity is set. Um, and once that capacity is reached, that will be it. Now, um, we have pre-purchased if you like some um, entrance tickets etc so that we have those to go with our products we do have a very limited number of um, circuit campsite spaces as well um, this is the public areas like like the who and places like, like that who and, um, and uh, etc so Maison Blanche Tetra Rouge um, we have a limited number of those because we pre-bought those um, so if people want those, they will be purely on a first come, first serve basis. And once they've gone, they've gone. Right. Um, so if you're still interested in going, you've seen, you know, you've seen it's now happening and you want to want to come to Le Mans, then you can give travel destinations a call. We can get you into one of our private areas if you're if you don't want to do the public stuff. If you want to glamp, you can do glamping. If you want Flexitel, we can right. do Flexitel rooms. And if you want the public camping, we have a limited number of that. Once the ACO tell us, that's it. That's it. Right. Okay. And we don't know when that's going to happen. So, right. so don't do that. You can come in. <laughs> you know, it's a bit of a you know harem scarem. But you know, the situation is at the moment. We are on sale. We are in the office. We um, are available to help, and we'll assist people if people are not sure. Um, then we can help them out. Yeah. You know, if well, that's the usual travel destinations. Where I think yeah. the point that I should make here is to underline what Richard said earlier. You won't be able to go to the ACO site and start a new booking for anything unless you're an ACO member. So, so not tickets, not camping, not anything. That's all. That's all on hold, yeah. uh, and that may not be restarted. So, these. These packages, these tickets, these camping spaces that Richard's talking about, they've already been allocated. The ACO know about them. Effectively, as he says, they're pre-bought, and therefore what you're doing is you're buying into something that the ACO already knows about. You better give the telephone number and the contact details out, please, Rich. 
So, so for prices and indications of what, what all the examples of what we're talking about, if you don't know about the Flexitel Village and that's your that you're interested in that, then first of all, visit our website. And the nice easy one to visit is lemonsrace.com. So www.lemonsrace.com. Um, you can also get there via traveldestinations.co.uk, but lemonsrace.com takes you straight in. Um, then that gives you a list of all the prices and, um, the, and the things that are available at this moment in time. Ultimately, we do want to talk to you. So you need to give us a call. So if you're in the UK, it's 01707 329988. And if you're phoning from outside the UK, and we, have, we do have customers traveling from elsewhere, um, then it's um, plus 44, then 1707 329988. Double eight. Okay. Or if you can't do all of that, you can always email us. Um, and email is um, info at traveldestinations.co.uk. And we'll come back to you as soon as possible. But ultimately, the best way is by the telephone. Yeah. Remember, all of those details are on the Le Mans Race uh, um, website as well. Can't let you go without mention of a new member of staff uh, who no, started today, 1st of July. Absolutely. And someone you might know and someone that um, the listeners will be um, aware of as well. I'm really pleased to um, welcome to the Travel Destinations uh, team, um, Stephen Kilby. Um, Most people will know Stephen Kilby from his um, decade long career at Daily Sports Car, um, the last second half of which he was the deputy editor. People will probably know that he's actually been writing for Travel Destinations for some time as well. Um, a lot of our Le Mans guides contain his content and a lot of our website um, content is also written by him. Um, but he's joining us full time now um, and he start, started um, today. And um, yeah, really pleased he's coming in here. He joins us with the blessing of all those at Daily Sports Car. Um, we're still good friends and we will still be working together so it's a it's a win-win for everybody Stephen's excited to get stuck in and Stephen will be our communications manager oh does that mean that he's had to approve this chat then and do you have to answer to him afterwards yeah basically I'm trying to get him to do as much of my work as possible to be honest <laughs> but um, he will be looking after website content social media um, brochure writing, um, all of that sort of thing. The skills he's got, um, he's been doing it for a long time. His knowledge is great. He goes, he's been to all the circuits that we deal with. He will be answering the phones as well. When we're busy, you know, he will be picking up the phone. And Hey, you've and made me answer the phones before when I've been down there, so yeah, nobody, gets a, nobody gets away with it. So we're likely to hear uh, Stephen's dulcet tones in future when we're asking questions of our friends in the trade then. I, I would well, you know, you never know. If you want to get rid of me and you want to want somebody that actually knows what they're talking about, then maybe Stephen's the way forward. But um, until he's up to speed, I'm afraid you'll have to put up with me. Sorry. I'm sure that that is not a not, not a chore at all, Richard. Excellent stuff. Great news all round. And thank you, thank you, thank you, for clearing up those some at least of those question marks i suspect there'll be a few more richard webb from travel destinations for the moment uh, best to the whole team and the new team member uh, and we'll we'll speak to you soon as, as the story develops cheers mate thank you bye now has he tim has he gone yes okay um just a, a quick I, I was i meant to say this actually don't forget because travel destinations are uh, Abta and Atoll bonded. 
if you do book tickets and for whatever reason Le Mans doesn't happen, uh, then you'll have options and your money is always safe. So don't don't worry about that, even if that little asterisk does come into play. So we know a little bit more than we did before. Tim, I know you've got a question. Fire away. Just like put another grape in my mouth as well. I thought you were going to say <laughs> to Joe first. All right, let's go to the boys here then. Uh, Nick Damon and Joe Bradley join us uh, for the Formula One preview uh, after this show tonight. That's the first time I've heard, Nick, a, a solid number being talked about. Yep. Richard seems fairly uh, certain that it's going to be somewhere around 50,000. That was the upper number that we'd heard from ACO members who are part of the collective on the questionnaire that went out. Um, that The government haven't approved that yet. Is there a bit of poker being played here? I think it was a masterstroke by the ACO. They've they've effectively laid down the gauntlet to uh, Mr. Mahon saying, we can do this, we will limit it to our numbers, these are the, the reasons we're going to use, this is our plan, now tell us we can't do it. Mm. So it put, and as we do know, Mr. Macron is rather fond of uh, showing that France is back for business. So he, and he has two other major sporting events he wants to get underway as well. The Tour de France, which is a massive spectator uh, situation. I think it's the same, exactly the same, no, two weeks before and running into the final, it, it, final weekend. The, the run up the Champs-Élysées is Le Mans Sunday. Yeah, and then of course you've got Roland Garros and he, and you know. Which the, starts the day after Le Mans. He, he very much wants positive PR and those big sporting events with crowds showing that France is back open again would be great for him. I would say the Tour de France and Le Mans, Joe Bradley, in terms of an international appeal, with no disrespect to Roland Garros and, and the ATP tennis tour, but, but those are France's two absolutely blue riband marquee events internationally. Before I answer that, Stephen Kilby been with DSC for 10 years. Yes, I know. I would have said six months. Um, <laughs> He's not old enough. Um, oh, this is going to be a fun Formula One preview. Um, ah, yes, I think Nicky Lauder will do well this year. <laughs> he always does well. Um, I think, you know what, the, the dates that we're talking about are some still some time away and we've still got a lot of evolving to do out of this pandemic, haven't we? And I, and I think I just take what I've heard there as very positive and heading in the right direction and just, you know what, fingers crossed if we continue doing what we're doing and continuing the social distancing and everyone being careful, then we should, by the time we are heading to Le Mans, we, everything should be different, shouldn't it? I oh, mean, yeah. the, you know, we, we're, well, if you look at where we were two months ago and if we continue in that vein and continue making progress, then I'm very excited about that. Jack Gabriel says, just hearing Richard's voice makes me remember uh, and makes me think of the Le Mans previews. Roll on uh, September. Uh, at Specutainment, your thoughts, please. I think the phones will be ringing off the hook tomorrow. Tim, what was your point on this? It was really about ticket touts because obviously now that we know that there's a limited supply what's to stop people who already have tickets selling them at hugely inflated prices over things like ebay well because there are still tickets on sale from um official ticket agents at face value but sorry Nick, only and to I a can't limited th- number yes but i think the people who who want to go badly enough to pay scalpers let's give them their correct term would already have a ticket you know, who is who is suddenly going to decide on the first week of September they desperately need to go to Le Mans and buy a, 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 a secondary market ticket? It's oh not yeah, going to happen. That is true. People who were going to go to Le Mans would have had their tickets before the end of June. The other thing, the other thing is, happened. 
Yes, and, and thing about Le Mans is, if I may say so, you don't just go for the men's final or the women's final. You know, it, it is, you know, it, it's not just a couple of hours. It is a, a commitment to probably a couple of days that you go there. And therefore, there's camping or hotels and everything else that needs to be involved in it as well. It's not like going to a football match or a concert, is it? So, um, okay, so we think 50,000 and uh, what we don't know yet, and uh, people have asked us this and we honestly don't know, uh, we've asked the direct questions through a number of different channels about what's happening with coverage and media. What we've said for a very long time is if the race happens, and it looks like it is going to now, then we will have coverage, live, free, global coverage, no geoblocks of the race. Um, How that works, who it involves... And where we are, we can't tell you yet because, quite frankly, we don't know. And neither do any of the broadcasters, by the way. Um, I've, I've, I have um, asked a couple of other uh, contacts and friends of ours in the broadcast industry and literally no decision has been made about that uh, right now. And indeed, that release from the ACO did say that the opportunity to watch uh, uh, and listen and tune in uh, would be... Uh, discussed and those details would come out uh, nearer to the time. But of course, it's not that that far away. Uh, you listen to Midweek Much. Thank you to uh, Richard Webb, by the way, uh, for coming on again and sorting that out. The good news is, from all of that, whatever else you're worried about right now, you don't have to worry. If you want to go to Le Mans, ring travel destinations tomorrow or get on the website and book your package, book your tickets, put your grandstand seats, whatever you think you need, speak to them they'll sort it out. And, and make sure, by the way, particularly if you're ringing tomorrow, uh, make sure that you refuse to be dealt with, with by anybody other than Stephen Kilby on his second day on the job uh, and make sure you ask him a lot of really tough questions about ferry crossings. Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Ferry crossings and how to make a campfire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you're up to Boy Scouts together, I think. Um, Midweek Motorsports Series 15, episode he's 26. Scouts, uh, sorry? He's still in the Scouts, isn't he? He's I'm sure enough. he is. Yeah. Yes, he's probably an Arkela, to be honest. Um, or a Sixer. I, you know, anyway, let's move on from that. That's the Cubs. Arkela? Yeah, and yeah. Sixers are the Cubs. Oh, well, well, what's the sc- I never got past this. What's the Scout? Hindoff's never been a Scout. I was, I was Hind- a Cub. Hindoff's never been a Scout. You know, I was a Cub. <laughs> you weren't a Cub. I was around at a bus stop outside of the, cub, the boy Scout's hood. I bet you're up at Find by Woggle. constitute being a Cub. <laughs> second Harrington. I'm not sure. I was the second Harrington Cub this part. time of day. I, I could probably still re- recite. Please don't. The, no. uh, oh, please don't. Oh, Caleb. I can't reach the We're going to move on because it's not just British, uh, not just Le Mans, which is going to have spectators, but British GT is also going to have spectators following an announcement uh, yesterday that Motorsport Vision is allowing uh, people into its circuits from July the 11th. Uh, that means that uh, the opening rounds of the British GT Championship on the 1st and 2nd of August will be open to spectators. Uh, if you have bought tickets in advance, uh, but not if you haven't bought tickets in advance, so we know tickets on the gate. Uh, Wh- which makes sense. But British GT will be down a couple of cars because uh, uh, the defending champions th- TF Sport uh, have withdrawn their two GT3 cars uh, due to clashes with other events. That means uh, no racing for Johnny Adam and Amanda Al-Harthy. 
uh, author Graham Davidson and uh, Tom Canning. The uh, so last year's GT3 and GT4 champions all not going defended. to be taking part. But there is good news as well. Yep. Because there is uh, a and by new the way, I do team. think that the the Davidson car um, part of that was down to him being involved in the um, North Sea oil industry, which is all a bit difficult at the moment. But you were right on the uh, Al Harthy and Johnny Adam car that is uh, clashes with Spa Six Hour and the the rearranged Le Mans. Funny enough, what we're talking about. However, good news. There was a good news uh, story because. Uh There'll be a 4488 GT3 Evo from AF Corsa, uh, driven by Duncan Cameron and Matt Griffin. Thrapston's uh, fastest Ferrari driver. Yes. Uh, they hadn't been able to take part in the championship up until the withdrawal of TF Sport because the uh, grid was full. Um, ah. British GT, one of those championships that caps its grid at, is it 30 cars or 32 oh, I cars? I don't know. I don't know, honestly. Uh, and obviously, uh, I of course are still running two uh, GC4s as well. Did you say that it was the MSV circuits that were opening up from the 11th of July? Yes. Yeah, and and the good news about that, there was a question directly on Twitter when that um, was announced. If you're here in the UK, and they said limited numbers, social distancing. And somebody reasonably asked, oh, does that mean there'll be no food outlets, the lavatories will all be closed? And fair play to whoever's on their Twitter feed, they came back straight away and said, no, all the lavatories will be opened. They will be getting um, cleaned even more regularly than usual. And all the food outlets, all the permanent food outlets will be open, but for takeout only. So if you are going to go and watch a bit of British GT, there will be facilities at the track, which I think is really important to point out that you're not just going to have to get there and then look after yourself and do a little bit of wild weeing. Why wouldn't why why, why would you not want to take your own sandwiches in a cool box? Am I being old fashioned? Well, but you might also want a cup of tea. Well, or, yeah, I mean, you you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I can't, I can't exactly, Tim, but I, I can't remember the last time I took a flask and sandwiches to a racetrack. I do every time I go. Yeah, right. Every time it might be. And again, don't forget. It might be, I was just thinking about this. Well, why would you want to go? Now I'm sorry, but of course, no. This, this could be lovely weather. The first round. It's not like you're, you're yeah, freezing, right. you're freezing right. your backside off in early March. It's a yeah, marvelous yeah. summer's day. Yes, it is no yeah. longer happening on Easter Monday, which would be March the twenty fourth or something. This is the second of Correct. August now. Um, so yes, all the MSV circuits open from the eleventh of July. That means that spectators are still not allowed to go to this weekend's meeting at Cadwell Park because obviously right. that's before the eleventh of July. Yep. So okay. no entry to Cadwell Park. And this doesn't apply. This only applies to motor racing. It doesn't apply to track days. So although track days have been running uh, since start of June, June the fourth, I think track days started again. Um, spectators are still not going to be allowed not at allowed. track days. Yeah. Uh, do we have some more sports car news? We do. Uh, Graf Racing. Yes. Are going to have two LMP3 cars in the European Le Mans series. And oh, they excellent. are not going to be two identical LMP3 cars. <laughs> All right. Are they running two different chassis? One Ligier GSP320. This is the number nine car of Arnold Robin and Maxime Robin and Vincent Kibler. And there's also a Duquesne D08, which is a number five car with Eric Trier, Louis Saint Juan, and Sebastian Page. Right. Uh, I've got a quick story. They're also going to be doing the uh, Michelin oh, Le Cup, by the way, uh, in okay. uh, Ligier number 26, Matthias Kaiser and Roy Pentonen. 
and that is one of the supports along with a combined Porsche Carrera Cup race at Le Mans of course this year quick uh, Jens Klingman story for me which I know we didn't discuss earlier but I've just remembered it I've seen some pictures of Jens Klingman with both his forearms in um, in casts um, and I, I think from what I've been able to glean from his Instagram and Twitter feed he came off his uh, pedal bike and has broken both his wrists and he's going to be out from driving for a little while BMW uh, racing driver so that may well make uh, things difficult for his team we'll have to try and get to the bottom of that um, so uh, and uh, Jens obviously has been racing in IMSA for the last few years it is IMSA at the weekend we're back at Daytona and one team that will be making its uh, IMSA GT Daytona debut is Gradient Racing. Now, uh, earlier on in the week, I caught up with their drivers, Till Bechtelsheimer and Mark Miller. Mark was at home, but first I caught up with, T with uh, Till. Uh, he was busy still working in New York City. I managed to catch him outside of his office and first of all asked him how he was keeping sharp during the great pause. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to have quite a fancy uh, sim setup out in Montauk, um, and so I've been uh, been uh, practicing on that really, trying to trying to keep my eye on. That, that's not the same as having your your backside in, in a car, and it doesn't replicate the physical the physicality of racing. So, what have you been doing for that side of things? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's you're obviously limited given given the circumstances of the lockdown, uh, so you can't really get out in a car and, and you know get that full on experience. But I have been trying to keep fit. Um, my wife is a is a triathlete, iron woman extraordinaire, so she's been uh, whipping me into shape uh, for the last uh, month or so. Hey, what are you doing in your private life? Nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Miller, uh, welcome back to the show. Daytona on Saturday, uh, not where you and Gradient Racing thought that they, you were going to be making uh, your uh, debut in the IMSA uh, Championship this year. Has that thrown up any, any little, uh, little curveballs? Well, of course, it's a, it's a bit of a curveball. I'm not against Daytona being a, a, a venue for us to, to bring our, our awesome Acura NSX, but the, uh, it was a little change of plans, obviously. Um, you know, we expected to be on a narrow street circuit in Long Beach, California, and that all changed. And um, the Detroit Grand Prix, another street circuit uh, canceled, but IMSA has done a great job, at least preparing us, getting us ready. And I think the biggest issue that we're going to have is the fact that we're one of the very few teams that has not turned a lap at Daytona. Um, you know, several teams have had three days of testing prior to the Rolex weekend, plus the 24 hour race and all the practice and qualifying that goes with it. So that's going to be a bit of a, um, you know, limited, the fact that we get limited amount of practice when we get there, it's going to be a bit of a, uh, a catch up for us, but, we're going to do our best. Um, I have a lot of faith in, in both Till and, and Andrus Lavens from Gradient Racing and our entire team. I know they, they've worked hard to plan for this. So um, I'm looking forward to get back behind the wheel for sure. I, I'm led to believe that there's some quite fundamental things that have had to be changed on, on the car, Mark, including things like 
well, if it's not gearbox, certainly final drive and things like that, but that, you, that you wouldn't necessarily have had to have on the car. So that really is getting you know thrown in at the deep end here when you go out for first practice on Friday. Yeah, the the gear sets that we've normally run and have been used to running is going to be completely different. It's it's definitely going to change the dynamic, and that I know that's an added uh, expense, not just an expense, but you know added step for us to be prepared for this event. But um, HPD and and Acura Motorsports has is really been a very supportive role in our program the last couple of years since uh, debuting the car in 2018. And uh, they've they've been a wealth of, of information, kind of open book, and uh, as well as all the other Acura teams involved. So I think that helps a little bit. If we were the only Acura in the bunch there, that would throw a curveball at us big time. But I think we're in a much better situation having the fact that we've got a lot of data to go on. Yeah, good, good point. Till, uh, of course, the last time we saw the Acura um, in... An IMSA competition was under a different team name, a diff- slightly different organisation. Uh, is there going to be much difference then? What what are the what are the similarities? What are what are the differences of coming to the track with Gradient? Uh, it's it's very similar to be honest. I mean, you know, CJ is not going to be there. Um, he, he was he was always fun to have around at the track, but otherwise, the the rest of the team is is pretty much as it was and. We were racing, um, you know, in uh, in World Challenge last year with this team. So I think uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna feel like an old pair of shoes. I think. Well, that, well, we hope so. Certainly. What, from your point of view, then, what do you want to achieve early on in the weekend at Daytona? We, we've said it. It's obviously going to be really having to hit the ground running. Have you already talked with Anders, the, the team manager, and Mark about uh, what you need to achieve in those early practice sessions? Uh, we haven't yet. I don't think we've kind of set too many too many goals for, for the first practice out. I think it's going to be a little bit of finding our feet um, and, uh, yeah, just getting getting familiar with the car again, making sure uh, everything is, is running as it, as it should be. And, and ultimately, we, like Mark said, we're not going to get a lot of practice um, at Daytona. Um, mm. I've only been to Daytona once before, and that was in a, in a club sport GT4 uh, Porsche. So it's, uh, it's going to be quite different. Um, so it's, it's going to be finding my feet, I think. I have heard a little rumour that you want to bring an ex-Le Mans uh, Chevron to, uh, to Daytona for the Classics. Uh, later on in this in the season is that true yeah that's right i mean as you know i i, I love my vintage racing uh, I've, I've never raced a vintage car on this side of uh, of the atlantic though it's all it's all out in europe um and just given you know how many races have been cancelled this year with with the with the with the lockdown and coronavirus um i've been kind of figuring out what what to try and what to try and get under my belt this year and i, I Made, made sense, I think, to try and come over uh, to the U.S. I haven't haven't um, officially entered anything yet, but uh, I'm looking into uh, bringing a Chevron B8 over for uh, Daytona and Sebring in, in November, December. Does that mean, with the current uh, restrictions about getting from the U.S. to Europe, does that mean you won't be running that lovely MG Midget at the Spa Six Hours this year? Uh, well, not only not only the uh, the travel restrictions. But I think it's mid Ohio is now scheduled for the same weekend. Yes, you're right, so it is. Uh, 
I'm uh, unfortunately for for the first time in a, in a long time I'm not going to be at the Spa Six Hours, which I'm uh, a little bit upset about. But, I would have um, I would have volunteered to take the the midget round for you, but obviously I'm going to be busy as well now. Damn it! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, if uh, we come back to you for a moment, very different as we've said from what you'd expected at the start of the season uh, for the the sprint side of the IMSA Championship, the Michelin Sprint uh, Cup uh, side of it. Um, in some ways, does the long layoff slightly level the playing field because everybody's going to be coming back a little bit rusty? Yes, you didn't get the run uh, with with Till and the team at uh, the Rolex 24 that some other teams did, but that was a very long time ago now. <laughs> Well, that's it's a hard question to answer. You can see if you, you know, follow all the other drivers on social media, um, a lot of them are staying real active, whether private testing or doing something with cars, whether that they're coaching or getting some time. So, you know, that doesn't that makes it a little easier for them. Um, we haven't even sat in our car since last year, so that uh, that doesn't help. But at the same time, you know. Both of us have laps at Daytona. I've been on Daytona quite a bit. Um, you know, I think we're all going to be a little rusty, which makes it important to to kind of come in with kind of really big open eyes and looking at every aspect of what we need to accomplish on the weekend. And, and uh, I think the key to any success that we have this weekend is to start off um, with a lot of laps, clean runs, no issues, you know, yeah. um, one little fuel pickup issue or, you know, driver ID is not working. So we have to pit and fix that. Any Anytime we're not on the track for practice is, is going to hurt us. So it'd be nice to be able to get out there. I think the weather actually is going to be the big equalizer for us. Yeah. It, it looks like really tough rain. And I know Till and I both really thrive in situations like that. So, um, if there's a lot of mixed conditions and people can't get clean running laps, I think that'll be a benefit to us because then everyone's really in the same same boat. Um, and a lot I hope the rain's not that bad that you're all in the same boat. That would be disastrous. <laughs> we'll be in the same canoe. In the same canoe. <laughs> I think the the biggest um, upside for us is there's a lot of perception of what Daytona is going to be like. Mm in july versus what they're used to in december and january or early january and, and late january and the weather and the dynamic is different the uh, uh, the tire that we're running is a different tire compound i, I believe it's the harder compound so i i just think it there's going to be a lot of differences that may benefit us um, in a way that we'll have the same opportunity as everyone else. And I'm hopeful for that because we really do need it, given the fact that we haven't been on track to do any testing yet. So yeah, um, it'll be really beneficial for us. I uh, bet you can't wait to get started, though. Till, we'll finish off uh, with you. The Sprint Championship, the uh, the shorter version of the races, how instrumental was uh, was that in in giving you guys the opportunity to, I was going to say dip a toe in the water, but we're back to all being in the same canoe again. Try this this season with this car without having to commit to a whole season. How important was that option that IMSA has come up with? It was huge for us um, to, to make the decision to come back to IMSA. We, we didn't have the budget to, to come and do 
you know, the full season. And um, at the same time, we weren't particularly keen to just, you know, do a handful of races. Um, I think you want to start every season, um, you know, working towards championship goals. And, um, you know, yeah, this is the sprint championship. It's not it's not the full championship that we're that we're involved in. But, um, you know, it it makes a huge difference uh, for, for us to be able to come and do something like that. And it makes it budget-wise more similar to to other series, um, but you're you're still competing at, at the very top level of sports car racing in, in, in the US. Well, listen, guys, we wish you all the best. Mark Miller and Till Beckenheimer, have a great one. Be safe, race well, and enjoy. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. And don't forget, there's another chance to hear our return to IMSA preview show over on RS2 at 10 p.m. tonight, just after we finish here. Or if you heard it last night uh, or on the podcast, then you can stay on RS1 and listen to our Formula One reboot show with Nick, Joe and John joining us for that. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. This is a press release that may have a point, I don't know. I I just read it and found it very difficult to understand what exactly it was trying to tell me. Right. Uh, I'll start this is a two-wheel press release. The title. Uh, the title mm. is Andrea De Vizioso underwent successful left collarbone surgery at Policlinico di Modena. Andrea yes. De Vizioso oh. underwent surgery at Policlinico di Modena yesterday evening after sustaining a left collarbone injury yesterday afternoon during a motocross race at Monte Corralli Racetrack in Faenza. The Ducati team rider, following consultation with Professor Giuseppe Porcellini, which is clearly a made-up name because no one's called Joseph Piglet, decided to undergo immediate surgery to fix the plate on the injured collarbone to speed up his recuperation. The operation took place yesterday evening. Professor Giuseppe Porcellini said Andrea De Vizioso underwent surgery to... To, to correct a fracture of the sternal margin of the clavicle. We proceeded with the internal fixation of a plate with six screws. So, so hang on. So... Now that's at least three different times and in two different ways you've been told that he broke his collarbone and it needed fixing. Uh, there's actually five uh, occasions in this uh, where <laughs> they the mention that he's broken. It's only seven paragraphs long. They mention the fact that he's broken his left collarbone five times and that he was treated at the Policlinico di Modena four times. What, what I like though, I'm, I'm pleased by the level of honesty because no one's pretending he broke it in a tennis match. No, that's true, but what it uh, it doesn't say, if uh, this is the one that I read, um, it doesn't say when he's going to be back. Well, he was in the gym training today, so... Well, you can do leg training, can't you? No, but... He expects to be be racing uh, from the start start of the season. Which is three weeks away. Just talking about injuries, of course, um, this delay has... um, played in nicely to Mark Marquez, of course, who was recovering from shoulder surgery when the season was supposed to start. True. He's had an extra three months to get back to full strength. Uh, we'll stay with bikes. Yes, and we'll stay with Mark Marquez as well. Right. Because uh, a rival team has uh, told us how much he's getting paid. Have they? Oh, how yes. exciting. Which rival, t- which rival team was that? Uh, well, which team does he race for? Honda. Honda. And who tried to poach him? Beans with D. Everybody. Everybody. Ducati. 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 So Ducati said 
The reason we couldn't uh, prize him away from Honda is that we couldn't afford the 15 to, mi- uh, 15 to 20 million euros a year salary. No way. That's, that's a lot for a bike rider, isn't it? That's mm. an awful lot for a bike. But he is, he is not a normal bike rider. No, he's great. Uh, but it's just, it's just the return. Because obviously you pay, you know, Lewis similar money for Mercedes. Mercedes sell a lot of cars. I mean, Honda, whilst they sell a lot of very small bikes with not very big profit margins, they aren't, the numbers are nothing like the same. But, you know, he's a standout star. And I'm sure there's many marketing value to it as well. We have some uh, calendar news as well. Well, no, hang on, hang on. In bikes. Um, bike more bikes. Yes, before before we, we do calendar news, though, are, are we going to talk about Vondermark? Mark, yeah, well, what's happening there? I couldn't read the S- Dutch bit. S- well, he's gone, hasn't Mark he? Mark Vandermark has left or is leaving Yamaha. I, I must admit, I'll be honest, I didn't quite get the bottom whether he is leaving at the end of the season or left immediately. I think he's left immediately. That seems very weird. And what's happening with young Marquez as well? Is he going to get the ride this year, or is he? No, he's riding. Yeah, and then they're going to. Has he been traded out already? No, I think he he'll be in Repsol, but then then he's most likely to go to the satellite team for next year. I still don't know what happened with Vandermark. I mean, because he had a good season last I, year, I, and he had a reasonable opening race as well. Yeah, I'm not quite. I mean, with that with Alex Marquez, I mean he's he's perfect for it for for this year because he's obviously already in Spain, as is every single race in the MotoGP calendar. Good point. Fair point, well made, beautifully presented at uh, Specutainment, uh, by the way. Uh, and uh, did need to say thank you to Declan Brennan, by the way, for setting up the Gradient Boys uh, earlier on. Sorry, forgot about that. Sorry, bike calendar news. Well, before we do that, as you've uh, mentioned, Mark van der Mark, uh, Jorge Lorenzo. Oh, yes. Uh, says he he's is. not going to Ducati. Well, no, because he's test riding for, for Yamaha. I'm not going to Ducati and either, and neither is my wife. He was going to get a wild card at Barcelona, but there are now no longer any wild cards this season. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I hadn't picked that up. Yep. Right, OK. Uh, there, there was a rumour that he'd be uh, returning full-time in 2021 for them. He's got too many compound injuries to do that. Yes. Uh, so, bike calendar news, anyway. Hurrah. Uh, and By the way, somebody has found Giuseppe Porcellini on, what is that? Joseph Piglet. Uh, yeah, or or orthopaedic surgeon. Orthopaedic surgeon, even I can read that. Yes, uh, the polyclinic monitor. No, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, uh, he's been found uh, by uh, Right Turn Lover. <laughs> no surprise there. Well done, RTL. <laughs> uh, VDM leaving at the end of the season, which makes even less sense than leaving immediately, says Tom Firth. Uh, yeah, sorry, I read that as he was leaving immediately. Yeah, leaving at the end of the season, van der Mark. So is that an argument over money? or oh, We don't know. To get off. I mean, this is the problem. Because of the uh, lack of consistent racing, the lack of consistent information, you don't quite know well, what is the reason. Has he, has he had a phone call from another manufacturer? I can't think who mm. it would be at the moment because after only one race, surely everyone's relatively wanting to stick with who they've got. yes. And it's a very short season again for World Superbikes when it picks up again. So uh, You do like a bit of calendar and you do yes. like a nice calendar, Tim. Get, let's have the calendar news well, then. Earlier on, I saw something very funny from Jackie Warnock. Right. She said, Australia at the moment is like the Spice Girls. Right. Everyone's Cal, trying really hard, but being let down by Victoria. <laughs> uh, Bradley, wasn't that from you? She got that off me. From you? I, that was my creation, I've got to say. But you tweeted it? Or yeah. Facebooked it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, okay. I did Re- share it to Joe then. 
Okay. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't mine. I've just. Uh, Nick, Nick's got his hand up here. We have uh, an update from our other bike correspondent, uh, Declan, who's saying that Van der Mark is going to BMW. Oh, I had read that. That was the, that was the rumour that he's going to BMW next year. Now, I don't think that's been announced yet, but that, yeah, that is that is the perceived wisdom. Thank you, Declan. Is that to partner Tom Sykes or replace partner Tom Sykes? Dum, dum, dum. Oh. Find out on the next episode da, 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 of Who Goes Where in World da, da, Superbike. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. Avant-garde. Uh, Australian Superbikes then. Uh, round oh, really? two of the Australian Superbike uh, Championship at Phillip Island on uh, July 25th and 26th has had to be Is postponed. Really? It's not. Really? Yes. It will now happen on October the 2nd, 3rd and 4th. Okay, well that's summer. Yes. Right. Spending things down in Australia is great because you're spending it into better weather rather than colder, darker and wetter weather. And fewer penguins. Of course, then you get to a point where it's too hot in Australia and you can't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not in Victoria. Uh, that means that round two of the updated version uh, of the Australian Superbike calendar is now Morgan Park Raceway in Warwick, Queensland. Kay. Which is a circuit I have... No awareness of, and I've been to a lot of Australian circuits, certainly East Coast ones. Maybe um, they'll talk about it on on the grid tomorrow. Maybe they will. Unfortunately, like Farm, did you we don't have uh, Morgan Park. Morgan Park. Morgan Park. I think said Warwick. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have uh, Richard Crail tonight to tell us what's on tomorrow's show, so we'll just have to guess. What I can tell you, they'll be talking about the weekends supercars which was absolutely outstanding and i normally don't like the short sprint races but at uh, sydney motorsport park i nearly called it easton creek the three races at the weekend were outstanding nick meantime has fastest finger first on the google morgan park raceway has multiple at layouts from circuit a to circuit e none of them also oh, sorry, sorry, all the way to circuit k sorry it's the longest at 1.8 miles the shortest is a half a mile circuit a uh, it's a complex old Stanhope Road, Warwick, Queensland, um, which was constructed in 1968 as a 730-metre circuit, extended to 1.2 kilometres in 1997 and to 2.1 kilometres in 2002. The new 3-kilometre circuit was opened in 2010 for Shannon's National Motor Racing Championship, and, um, yeah, it's lots, lots and lots and lots of different... It looks actually more like a test, though. He's got so many different... And it, it sounds like one of those places where they can run several different versions on a deer or even two versions at the same time. And if you time. want to test certain things in your car, you yeah. can go around a short circuit with lots of lefts or lots of rights and lots of chicanes. Right, okay. And well that on the grid is tomorrow at nine on uh, RS1. And immediately before that is the Tour Radio Show at eight yes. o'clock. And this week it's the Americans, so it's Ben and Lewis, and they'll be uh, confused by news from Project Cars 3. Uh, oh, yes. And uh, also showing their feelings about a set of Corsa Competizioni uh, being re released on consoles. Uh, that's uh, all tomorrow in the Toro Radio Show at 8pm here on RS1. Midweek motorsport. And don't you dare switch off now, because the next hour's going to be even better. Well, if you think back uh, about an hour or so, we promised you some Darren Turner. Uh, this time last week, we were talking about his new de development role with British touring cars. And we spoke to him late last week, and uh, you can hear that interview in our number two. More of your tweets, please, to expect attainment on the variety of topics we've covered tonight. We have some Formula One. Hooray! 
And not too much Formula One, though, because we're at 10 o'clock tonight, um, which is still to come, of course, we will be having our Formula One preview again and again uh, and again. But coming up next, uh, it is our big interview tonight. A gentleman we spoke to uh, in the Sport on RadioLeMond.com. Just after nine o'clock on a Wednesday evening, it is time for our big interview. And with IMSA racing just around the corner and restarting this weekend at Daytona, I'm delighted to say that joining us uh, is the CEO of Haggerty. It is Mikhail Haggerty who uh, is joining us live uh, on the line now. Uh, welcome along to Midweek Motorsport, sir. Ah, thank you for having me. Uh, we talk a lot about motorsport uh, on this show. Obviously, it's part of the name. Uh, but I, I think, if you don't mind, I'd just like to establish you uh, and and your motoring and gearhead credentials. And I say that with much love and respect uh, to our audience. I read that your first ever car was a restoration of a 1967 Porsche 911 S. Is that correct? Uh, it's true. And, you know, it, it makes for great, uh, like, a drinks party, cocktail party conversations when you can say, hey, what was your first car? And mine just happened to be a really cool one. And I still have it uh, all oh. these years later. I, I bought it when I was uh, just 13 years old, and I paid $500 oh, for stop. it. Oh, stop. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I take it it wasn't in great condition then, Mikhail. <laughs> oh, no. It took me years to restore it in the garage with my dad. And uh, but, you know, it, it bonded us together. And, and who knew that all those years ago, I'm 52 now, that uh, that car would be such a center point of my life. And it really you know, launched me into my interest of cars and the history of of, you know, great sports cars and motor racing and everything else. And of course, I, I am just a lifetime Porsche fan ever uh, since. You're talking to another one here, uh, of, of course, in me. Um, I, that was a seminal car. Uh, the 67 car, up to 180 horsepower. Fuchs Alloys is standard for the first time. Uh, did you realise then what an important car that was going to be? Because even when you'd restored it, it would have been easy for you to just get rid of it and, and move on. But it, it'll have paid you back many, many times since then. Oh, well, so true. If you think about the early, you know, of the air-cooled 911s, I mean, it's really the 67S or the, or the once you get into the RS, uh, it's the one of the greatest early 911s made, and who knew? Who go figure? It could have been anything else. Um, to be to be honest, I was a um, you know from my earliest days, I was a James Bond fan, and what right. I really wanted was a DB5, oh. asked DB5, but there weren't a lot of those sitting around in garages in northern Michigan where I live. Um, but strangely. You know, there were a lot of Porsche dealerships scattered around the United States. And so a lot of Porsches just made their way into people's, uh, you know, houses and lives. And then sometimes were, were just parked, as this one was. I had to dig it out of a snowbank. And, in fact, the engine was out of the car completely covered in snow. Um, so it's just amazing. It, it stayed together, and I'm still able to uh, own it and drive it. And um, it's one of my favorites. Very, very, very envious. What else was in the running? Can you remember for your $500 in those days? What else could you have bought or might uh, you have bought? It probably would have been an electric guitar because uh, <laughs> I played guitar. It was between a, a car and a guitar. And, and I knew that, you know, at 13 years old that I was going to need some wheels uh, coming up in the next few years. So, Smart man. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, your family, your mum and dad, were, were already involved in insurance, although it wasn't 
necessarily all auto insurance. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, marine insurance in those days. Yeah, I mean, we were a car family, and we were also a boating family. It just it kind of went. We kind of follow, business followed our hobbies, if you will, mm. and uh, so they started off in. My parents, their first specialty business was this um, wooden boat, vintage boat um, insurance uh, niche. And it sounds so obscure, and it really is. Uh, <laughs> people kind of get this image in their mind. What are they talking about? Are these like wooden rowboats or tall ships or what are they? And yes, it was a little bit of all of those things. But there's this whole heritage, especially in the U.S., of these inland lake mm -hmm. wooden boats. You know, they, they almost look like pieces of furniture. So things um, like Chris Craft and stuff like that. Because... Yeah, Chris Craft, Hacker Craft, uh, Rebus, that sort of thing. Oh, and that was real. That yeah, that, I mean those. <laughs> I I seldom use the the phrase uh, you know that any vehicle is sexy because uh, I just don't think it's appropriate. But when you talk about Rebus, oh. yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty swanky car. Yeah. Or a uh, boat. And then, um, but it was many years later we got into cars and really focused on it. And that's. All, you know, 99% of what we do today. We're just, we're focused on people who are actually into cars, like cars for their, for the sport of it, for the enjoyment of owning them. The, I'm not, I'm not, we don't do anything that involves regular commuting. This is about the love of the automobile. And we really, that's our, that's our world. That's uh, what we do. And interestingly, of course, that goes right back to that very first Porsche because everything that I've seen that Haggerty does now is about keeping people uh, involved with the automotive scene, and I use that as as a, an overarching term, keeping good old cars on the road and getting used, and that that has brought things like the Haggerty Drivers Club, for example. Yeah, we you know we we have a clear purpose for us, and that is uh, you know we we want to save driving, the love of driving for future generations, and and all that goes with it, the the just fun automotive culture that certainly you and I share, and and millions of people around the world share, and and in a time when you know cities are congested and people are working about worried about traffic and and all of those things, I, I don't like that stuff either. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you know the love of driving on a wide open road or even off road. Um, the love of, of motorsport, all of that. So we did things like create uh, the Drivers Club uh, with the idea that the only way we're going to save driving is we have to have a way to knit millions of people together in ways that they can enjoy. We had to get into the media business. So, you know, we, we're even bullish on doing things like publishing magazines. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we do thousands of events around the world. Um, and then we're, you know, we're really making a strong push which your audience, I, I think, would be interested in, and into the, into the motorsports area. I mean, really, our focus is on enthusiasts and recreational motorsports first, which is you know people who like to do track nights and, and uh, you know, kind of amateur racing. I, I never would call somebody an amateur racer. That's completely offensive to them. But you know, the non-professional side, yeah. and you do that by supporting you know all of the you know track and and racing club organizations that that we possibly can and. And now, even with our partnership with IMSA, which is just to, to recognize that those are cars, especially you know in the IMSA series, that look like cars. They don't look like science projects, <laughs> and um, and those are the ones that people want to drive. And so, to me, that's inspirational, and and that's what we want to save and preserve and support. Uh, and if I may say so, over the years, with all of these projects, and particularly some of your more recent projects. The brand, and it is a brand now, Haggerty, has 
we've got a saying in the, in the UK, you put your money where your mouth is. You don't just talk a good game, you've got the game to, to back it up. And, and talking about that, particularly for grassroots motorsport, Motorsport Reg is a website in the States that takes away a lot of the logistical nightmares of people putting on track events. And, and you've acquired that and, and put some money into that and, and helped that a lot. Yeah, that, it's uh, the largest registration platform, uh, both in the U.S. And, and now expanding very rapidly outside of the U.S. Um, to help. That's yeah, to, yeah, and, and it, it just makes it very easy for clubs, sanctioning bodies to handle the complicated nature of registering both drivers and cars at events. They help, uh, and there's several products within it. We have a new thing called Speed Waiver. Um, and this and race hero, which is super cool. It helps, um, you know, smaller sanctioning bodies managing the timing uh, and, and the uh, results of drivers in their events. So, you know, the, to, to us, I think of people who want to go driving competitively or just, mm. you know, whether competing against time or competing against each other and time um, is that, you know, that's the pinnacle of driving. And that's what yes. we want to save. Um, that, you know, not everybody wants to go wheel to wheel. Some people just want to buy a cool car and, and go out and race it on a circuit or, or drive it quickly on a circuit mm -hmm. or in a closed course. And that's awesome because it, it fosters, uh, you know, the love of, 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 you know, speed done safely. Correct. Um, and, you know, when I think about, you know, these modern supercars and, and even just, you know, sort of normal sports cars, but that are built in, in a production value, their performance is so high today. You yes. know, I mean, a, a Hyundai, a Kia is a high performance car in comparison to a car from the 60s that the only way you can really test their limits is is in a closed environment. So, right. you know, our view is we need as many of those places and, and those organizations to survive. And our job has to be to support them. It has to be. And of course, from the other side of it, that you're helping the organization there. But in, in point of fact, the end user the guy or the lady who brings their car to those events, what they want to be is maximising the track time. So not having to stand in line, not having to fill out forms. That can all be done and pre-registered. It, it, it means that you are absolutely maximising the time out on the track, using your car in the way you want to use it. That's right. Get out there and burn up some tires. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yes, our, our friends at Michelin, very happy <laughs> about that as, as well, I'm sure. Um, it's fair to say that uh, Haggerty, uh, certainly for the first part of its existence, was, was based very solidly in the United States. But the, the, the spread now of Haggerty worldwide has started. Uh, Canada, UK, Germany, all now uh, with your presence. A new, refreshed and fabulous-looking website at haggerty.co.uk with some UK-centric videos, etc. Um, it's a difficult time right now, as we're talking, um, to do business. Um, but does that affect you guys and, and Haggerty's expansion plans? Well, I, I think probably the, the part that y your audience and, and you and I share together is that this is going to be a difficult year, and maybe the next few years will be a difficult year for getting together in large gatherings. Uh, you know, we're just, we're not going to have the, the one part of the automotive enthusiast and motorsport world that, that we love, which is to get together and, and show off and, and, you know, meet our friends and see people. And that's just the reality. Um, it's always been a big part of our business um, and our life at Haggerty is, you know, going to events, supporting events, creating a lot of our own. And that's going to be tough. We're going to be we're going to have to enjoy our cars for the next 
you know, whatever period of time, um, kind of, it's going to be a solo project and, or maybe, you know, small groups of people are getting together and driving, but they're not going to be big crowds. They're not going to be a lot of vendors. There's not going to be all that stuff. So that's a little heartbreaking, but we're resilient and, you know, the love of the automobile endures. And so we're going to have to get through this. So our view is push harder into as many digital um, aspects of the automotive world that, that we can push into to help make it still fun, still accessible. Um, we're launching a number of new kind of all digital shows over the next, well, we, we have launched a few in the U.S. We'll be launching a few globally here of global interest um, because we need to. You know, mm -hmm. I think that with, with fewer events happening, it doesn't mean the cars are going away and it doesn't mean the love of the cars is, is waning. Uh, so we just got to make it fun and we got to keep lowering the bar. Uh, I think my biggest, my biggest concern long-term of lowering the bar, not of quality, but lowering the bar of entry. Entry, yes. And, um, you know, because when I think of, you know, all of the chatter that I hear all around the world is, well, do young people even care about cars anymore? Aren't they just, you know, on their cell phones or playing, playing games, that kind of things? Sure. Yes, they are. But the biggest challenge for us, if you really want them to be into real, actual, physical cars mm -hmm. and not just virtual versions of them, is we have to make sure that they, they're growing up in a, in a world where they can afford them. Yes. So, you know, having a vibrant business, you know, having economies that are working, uh, you know, really focusing on a, more of a flourishing, abundant view of the world rather than a failing view of the world is, yes. is critical. And uh, so lowering the bar of entry making it still interesting, making it still aspirational for young people to want to own cars when it's the right time and when it's appropriate, when they can afford it. Um, that's our job. And we just have to do more of that. And, and we have to work together to make that happen. And, it, and it's still, and particularly talking about older cars, it's still far better for the planet for you to keep your 67 911S on the road, for me to keep my 993 2S uh, on the road than to have to go out and buy a brand new car and all the environmental impact that that would have. And, and, and I, I think that's often overlooked. Is it, is it fair to say, McKeel, then, from, from starting solidly in an insurance background, firstly in, in the marine side and then into automotive, that, that Haggerty now is much more of a, a community that, that happens to have an insurance component as a part of it? I, I, you're exactly right. That's that's what we're trying to build. I, you know, what I love about the car world is is not just the cars, but the people. And I know that, you know, I, whether I'm going to a cars and coffee type event or up to a serious race or a Concorde d'Elegance is that, you know, I, I can I can, uh, you know, I can stand across the, you know, the open bonnet of a cool car and have real appreciation without even knowing who the person is standing across from me. And we can bond at that moment and we can have a conversation or remember the first time we saw one or remember when we saw one go up for auction. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it awesome. And, and so the only way we can do this is that we have to build a community and it has to be pulled together um, in, in some sort of really organized way. Um, the one thing I am certain of is that for your listeners out there is that, you know, if you're, if, you know, if you're a if you're a person of my age or, or older and the car world has been good to you, then we have to put a little bit back into it to save it for the next generation. Great point. And we're not going to do that through some like nonprofit structure. You know, what it means is, you know, going to events, spending a little bit of money, you know, subscribing to the magazines. You know, if you if you have a business in the space at, you know, continuing to advertise, we just have to keep kind of putting some resources into it mm -hmm. uh, because. 
you know, it's brought a tremendous amount of pleasure in my life and, and I know yours and, and millions of people out there. And but but it's not going to just save itself. We, we got to work together to make it happen. Where, where do you see and, and Haggerty as a as a uh, an entity has changed so much since those early years? Where do you see Haggerty even beyond your time? As, as part of, of the brand, what, what is the next, let's say, 10, 15 years going to bring to this space, this automotive space with talks of, of car sharing, of people being able to rent cars like you pick up a, a city bike with just flashing your credit card or using a phone app? Where, where do you see Haggerty fitting into that as the, as the landscape is, is always changing? Well, we have to be flexible and you can't get too hung up on the way it was done before. You are going to see car sharing. You know, I think you'll even see Uber like uh, uh, Uber like platforms where you could, you know, show up in a in a city or a, in a town and say, hey, look, I, I, I'd love to be driven around in a, in a vintage car ah. or um, I, I definitely see a future in kind of um Clubhouse-like models, where you know there's an aggregation of vehicles in a in a building, whether they're shared in ownership or it's just people storing them together, and it's a little bit more like a, a club where people can go and hang out, um, you know, kind of a Soho house model or yes. or whatever it is. Um, I see more and more of those um, popping up around the world, and I think that's kind of a future because if you think of Big cities becoming more crowded and very likely that as they become more crowded, although COVID is changing that, um, right? Uh, Other than that potential shift is that as people move into cities and and the, you know, cities have to have to confront the crowds, cars are going to become electrified. Public transportation is going to be more important. And I think it will be more and more difficult to drive certain sorts of cars in the middle of cities. Think of London, the city Mm. of London. You know, has been metering and, and managing what vehicles can go in and out uh, from a financial perspective yes. for a number of years, and it's and it's working to a degree. Um, now, I still like to be able to go in the early November and 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 drive uh, in the London of Brighton. Mm-hmm. You know, a clattering 1904 Knox um, that we we own and keep over in the UK. Nice, but. But you know what? I, I don't need to do that on a normal Monday morning no. in London. You know, I'm, I'm totally fine not needing to do that. I just want to be able to, you know, drive in the right places at the right time. So yeah. we view our world as we want to be good stewards of what the best of the automotive, uh, automotive world has. Um, and realizing that means sharing the roads and, and working with other organizations. Like, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the automotive world to, to partner with um, you know, the, the bicycle groups and, mm-hmm. and other groups and, and even camping and caravanning groups that, that also want to be able to get out and enjoy, you know, wide open spaces um, in, in the right way. Um, and, and even tourism. If you think a lot of the great roads in the world, oh, yeah. we're almost all built kind of with a, a tourism focus in mind. They, yeah. they don't have a lot of purpose other than to say, hey, look, just let's go drive and enjoy mm-hmm. these vistas. It's not about how I can get to and from work. Um, so we need, we need to support that stuff. You know, hi- highway one in the United States, you know, driving up and down the coast of California, that's a tourist road. Yes. And, and I don't want to sit in the back of an autonomous vehicle for, for one thing, you'd be, you'd probably get car sick in the back of it going up highway one. If you went at any speed, I want to have my hands on the wheel. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will going forward too. So we want to be stewards of that activity and support it in any way we can. Uh, we kick off or re-kick off the IMSA season, 4th of July, 
Saturday night live across the uh, Radio Show Limited network, of course, with uh, IMSA Radio and IMSA TV firing up again. Great to see. Uh, you looking forward to getting involved in that again? Oh, I can't wait. Uh, you know, I just, I've, I've always been a fan of IMSA. And, and I just, for one thing, I like sports car racing, you know, in general. That's my, you know, I think all the way back when I think of my love of the automobile, and I think all the way back to early time, you know, that's why I like Le Mans. Um, you know, cars that generally look like cars and uh, that, you know, look like something that, or at least are related to something I could go into a showroom and buy yes. or enjoy. And uh, I just, and I love watching them driven with such amazing skill and over a long period of time. Uh, uh, you are sharing a lot of emotion there with uh, the audience here. Michael Haggerty, thank you very much for joining us on the big interview uh, this week. And, you know, one day when all this is over, let's hope, let's hope that we can, uh, we can get your uh, 67 911S and my 97, uh, effectively 911S uh, together sometime. That would be a nice thing. Let's go for a drive. That's what this is all about. Yeah, it is. Let's go for a drive. Mikhail, thank you very much indeed. Mikhail Haggerty uh, joining us uh, tonight. And uh, we will be covering IMSA at the weekend. Of course, more details on our coverage coming up a bit later on this week. We're trying to get a bit of Friday practice for you as well as qualifying in the race on Saturday. Uh, already a lot of people liking what Mikhail was seeing there, uh, Tim Gray. He's got a very similar attitude to cars to me in that I don't think you should use cars just to go from A to B. Cars should be used for leisure and enjoyment. Uh, but one thing I did want to pick up on is uh, he said he loves to come to London in November for the uh, London Brighton Veteran Car Run. Yes. Uh, this November, don't come because... It's not happening. It's been moved. It's been postponed. Mm. And the 2020 London Brighton Veteran Car Run will now happen in July 2021. Oh, that will make it a very different event. That will make it a have very different event. It's not going to we... rain on you to start with. No, but it might be a little bit too hot for some of those lovely pre-1905 cars. Was it 1905? I think it's... Uh, uh, Nick? You're right, pre-1905. It's 1904 and downward. Yeah. So what you said was right. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, celebrating the emancipation of motoring, of course, the In 1996. The... the um, uh, the years uh, where there had to be someone with a red flag walking in front of it, that was repealed and uh, then people could drive as madly as they wanted to. A uh, lot of love for Mikhail Haggerty. Um, what a great interview, Kevin Payne says. Uh, a wonderful first car, even if it did have to be rebuilt. Yeah, $500 for a 1967 uh, 911S, albeit not with its engine installed at that, that time. That was 39 years ago, so... Yes, and I love the fact it was that or a guitar, by yes. the way. Well, <laughs> you can still buy a decent guitar for $500. You can't buy a decent 911S for $500. You could and probably Nick's buy a rusty shell <laughs> with no... You couldn't. No engine, no. I, as, as I said, I was wandering around the garden centre looking for a remainder Bruce Jones books, but instead I found uh, a book called Affordable Porsches, which I could only buy for, for John. I think that's an oxymoron, <laughs> though, uh, to, to be honest. Neil Gardner says, Mikhail Haggerty, he's my hero already. <laughs> yes, I'm not surprised. Add spec entertainment, uh, please. And we're on Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode 26, 1st of July, or whenever you're listening 
on the podcast. Remember our IMSA podcast, Tim mentioned it earlier on. Uh, it is already on the site. We've got Formula One preview again, uh, <laughs> which, is a new, which is a new show. That's why Joe's here and Nick. That comes up after this show sometime just after 10 o'clock this evening. We'll have some Formula One news in a moment. But first... Who'd have thought a month ago that we'd be talking about uh, Daniel Abd racing in Formula E uh, next week. I thought he'd lost his job. Uh, with Audi, yes. But uh, he's been picked uh, up by another team. Has he really? Yes. Yes, he's been picked up by Neo333 because Mark Wing Ha um, cannot get out of China uh, over to uh Berlin. Berlin for the 1112 races in four minutes that they're running in uh, the next few weeks. That would be and six races in nine days, actually. And they, never, and never let a never fat get in. Anyway, a no. And they have, they have decided of all the the options they've decided to employ Daniel Apt. But Mr. Apt is going to find it a very different experience from being at Audi, because Neo are frankly rubbish. Not competitive. Not competitive. They're rubbish. Mean. As a team and a car and a powertrain. Given, yeah, it's not exactly a one-make series, but given how far off they are in an almost one-make series, they're rubbish. And uh, some more Formula E news uh, coming out today, Tim. Yes, uh, because uh, they've announced who's going to build the chassis for the next generation of Formula E car, and once again, it's going to be Spark. And they've announced I love their one forty-third models. They are so they so are. detailed. True. So detailed. Yeah. And I love the work they do in, um, in plugs as well to make your engine fire. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, they've also announced it's going to make the battery, and that's going to be Williams again. Of course, just are they've been sold off by Williams, but carry on. Uh, has the battery part been sold off? France Engineering has, yeah. yeah. Oh, has it? Yeah. And so who's bought that then? Do we know? Is it some conglomerate? Just know. It's it's a new version of the battery, though, Nick, isn't it? This it's is got, Gen 3. Yeah, it's got more power, better recharge. Is this all about energy density? Yes. Well, I mean, you, you think about it, it's going to be four years since the last time. We know how much batteries have improved. So they've also and they weren't exactly cutting edge even then, were they? The second generation wasn't too bad. The first generation was awful. Um, but they are going to have a much better regen capability as well. Up first generation was built to a price rather than to yeah. technology. And yeah, so that this g- it gives them the option of doing um, a lot more interesting things, longer races, more more power, less less power saving, or you know, it just makes it more flexible. Uh, and uh, you'll be doing some electric racing this weekend. I very much hope so that the uh, the RC racing has has moved outdoors to a car park in the old-fashioned way. Lay down some sand-filled hose pipes and knock yourself out. Uh, and what about the racing? Oh no no no, no that's, that's nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Laying down sand-filled hose pipes. Uh, I know. I'll just. Uh, we're back. We're back to Till Bechtelsheim are being whipped into shape by his missus. We're back to that scout hood. Moving on. Yeah, moving, moving Why on. Why not just fill them with water, Nick? Because you have to pack them back up again and put them somewhere. Yeah. Well, you get a length of hose easy? and you seal it either. Now you seal it either end. Fill it with sand and seal it either end. And it becomes a flexible length of track marking. You fill it with water. It's going to leak out. But that would make it more interesting. It would, yes. It would be like one of Bernie's plans from 10 years ago. Let's not talk about Bernie. Oh, congratulations to Bernie. We're going to talk about Uh, Bernie, actually, because Bernie... uh, How old is Bernie now, Nick? 89, and showing it in everything he says. (laughs) (laughs) Bernie has finally, uh, after uh, seven decades of trying, given birth to a son. Well, not he hasn't, hasn't, presumably. He has sired a son. Mrs. Bernie... Mrs. Bernie, his his uh, Brazilian 
second wife or third third wife third wife um who lives in brazil with um yes it's very uh, uh, yeah, we 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 commented on the remarkableness of the situation and it's come to its conclusion and a healthy newest, baby boy has been born newest member of the lucky sperm club well yeah i mean you know he's probably not going to see his dad for very much but he's going to enjoy his dad's wealth for his entire life and what so. have they called him enzo no shorter than enzo n n Ni. no ego ian Ben. it's got ben. the same number of letters ian three ben john ben Lo- lob really Does. this could go forever tell us yeah. go on tell us Ace Ace no way why is Ventura Pet Detective how long has that been going on <laughs> fabulous did you get that one <laughs> yes we got that did one yeah okay look it up kids uh <laughs> Do you not feel that, that we, we you know, our, our poor younger fans are literally going, what, what? We about, don't about have 75% fans, of this programme. Oh, we do. Every, every one of our fans knows who Paul Carrick is. Absolutely. I, okay. Uh, we're going to talk about some money now. Because uh, uh, McLaren needed some, and suddenly at the last minute, uh, they've been able to borrow £150 million from the uh, Bank of Bahrain. We'll be talking about this in the uh, yeah, F1 program. it happens, it happens. It's nice, isn't it? Really? I, I, I needed some money. Hey, Bank of Bahrain, have 150 mil. Oddly, they said no. Did they? Yeah, they said they could have 15 mil, but not 150. Right. Oh, really? I thought 15 mil doesn't even pay my milk well, bill. Uh, aren't, aren't the Bahraini royal family uh, part owners of McLaren? Yeah. Um, yes. Mansour Oje is part no, owner. No, Mansour Oje no, 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 sold no, the, his no, Bahrain, the Bahrain, in, yeah, the investment arm of Bahrain, much like the investment the, arm of the so, What's called yeah. the Sovereign Wealth Fund. Much like the Abu Dhabi owns Man City, the Bahrainis own a large right. chunk of McLaren. So Mansour Oje sold up? I yeah. thought he still had a, a chunk of it. I thought he still had about... 15%. I don't think so. Yeah, he sold his bits up. He's a man. I think his son he, he, he had a double lung transplant. Some, uh, some Did of he? it. Yeah. His son's a lovely lad. a heavy smoker in the deal, wasn't he? I don't know, well, um, hopefully he hasn't polluted his new one. Okay, mm. moving on. Uh, who else has been uh, borrowing money? Williams? Like anybody, really. Everybody. No, Formula <laughs> One itself. Oh, uh, no, that was, that's, that's old news. What, yes. Liberty have, re- have readjusted their financing to provide 2.1 billion of liquidity to, to um, F1. That's like weeks old, Tim. No, they... I refuse to discuss this news. <laughs> they have amended the terms <laughs> yeah. of their loan. What, they've, lo- what, they've made up a new rule for themselves? Pretty much, yes. Simon says you can have more cash. Um, <laughs> so, this means that subject to compliance with certain conditions, which we haven't been told... Uh, the net leverage financial covenant shall not apply until the 1st of January 2022. Right, okay. Which I think means okay. they don't have to pay it back for a while. I didn't think they did anyway. It's a bit like a business development loan then, isn't they're, it? They're shuffling the money free, around. Free, free, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I suspect the interest is still building up. Mm. What uh, else we got? Well, Renault obviously sends me press releases in French. Because they're Good. a French company and they now speak French. Uh, <laughs> what no, they just they just assume everybody does. There we. It's fine. Uh, and this yes, week's uh, press release uh, says they prolonged Sergei Sorokin. Okay, well, that's, that's nice. Uh, did, he, did he enjoy being prolonged? Is that is that some kind of tantric stuff, or have they put him in suspended animation? I think uh, they've uh, extended his contract, but prolonged uh. sounds so much more negative, doesn't it? 
<laughs> so he gets to stand in the back with his headphones on for another year or two. We're forcing him to stand there for another two years. Mm. Well, there's a seat available at Renault, as we all talked about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Talk about that coming mm. up. Okay. We can talk about that. Like it? Write, it write it down. <laughs> I'll put that on my list to talk to. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Moving on. Uh, who thinks that um, George Russell is a great driver in a terrible car? Everybody. Mate. George Mate. Russell does. Everybody George Russell. George Russell's dad. British public. Who specifically said public. it this week? Nick oh. Damon. He'll say, I, I guarantee you he'll say it in, in the next programme. I can guarantee I'm going to be saying that later on. Yeah. Okay. Mel, okay. I don't know. Help Marco. It is I, Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> Still gets me every time. <laughs> was it Charles Leclerc? They're having a love in there. It was, yeah. They? They're just, oh, they're just busy mates because of all the sim races. You waited the first time he blocks him. They were teammates in Formula 3, Nick. Yes, but the more importantly, it's all, it'll, it'll all dissolve again once. You know, there's always camaraderie between all the youngsters. You know, this Albon, it's the Verstappen. New, it's the new generation, that, isn't it? It's the new Star generation. Trek. The Leclerc. Yeah, um, Russell. The first time that Max Stappen runs, runs them all off the road, they'll be straight into not being involved in that. George Russell of Ferrari. Mm, there's a one. No, doubt that. There's no space for Ferrari at least three years now. No. And finally, who thinks uh, we're going to be surprised by Alex Albon this year? Alex May Albon. Mrs. Albon. As in his mother. I, yeah. Mm, I don't know. Um, is it going to be Helen Marco? Is it Christian Horner? It's Christian Horner. It? Yeah, it's because mm. he's, he's one of the people right. who's, who's picking up from... I mean, you have to admit that, it's, that Red Bull have absolutely cornered the market in self-aggrandismore, haven't they, really? They will build mm. themselves up as much as they possibly can all the time, uh, and after a while, it stops annoying you, and it just becomes water for ducks back. I think Alex Albon has a great chance to be very good, but he also has a great chance to drop the ball. Let's see what happens. He's, Christian Horner, at this stage, has got a motivate. Albon, he can't have another Gasly situation. He can't have him being psyched out by the, uh, the, the 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 talent of Verstappen, which can be easily done. When you're up against somebody like Verstappen, who can just he's just so quick, you can easily psych yourself out, lose confidence, and then go backwards. That's what we saw Gasly do. Shall we take a couple of tweets? Sorry, I'm yes. giggling at rotation. You certainly wasn't giggling at what I was saying. That's I was, no, no, yeah, well, you've been very serious. Yeah. Uh, rotation says, have Liberty consolidated all their existing debt into one manageable monthly payment? Which I think is no, very they won't good. be making any payments for at least 18 months. Even better. It's very manageable. Yeah, very manageable. very manageable. Payment mm. zero. Yeah. Dave Alcock says, great to hear Mikhail Haggerty. His vision of the future of enthusiast car clubs sounds very exciting and promising for any up-and-coming enthusiasts. Yes. Uh, Ace is one of the many names Rimmer wanted to be called in uh, Red Dwarf, which is... Yeah, uh, true. Yep. Ace Rimmer. Yeah. Ace Rimmer. Yeah, very good. Uh, and Rob Chalmers says, I'm having PTSD flashbacks to racing RC cars on track with sand-filled hoses. Um, outlines uh, in that. It is the old way, but there's nothing... You know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with the old ways, is there? Um, I've got a bit of, of sad other sports news that's just come in. It's got nothing to do with motor racing, but I am a cricket fan. And Sir Everton Weeks has just died. Uh, West Indian legend of cricket. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm very sad to hear that. Fabulous uh, analysis uh, that he provided down through the years for a broadcast as well, but of course a great cricket in his right. I'm very sad to say that. That's just popped in. Um, midweek motorsport uh, with cricket starting in the UK shortly in the back on the BBC. This time, is it next week or the week after, I think, is their first highlight show. Uh, will be on during our show, so I'll be torn. Uh, Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode uh, number 26. Tim, what else do you have for us? IndyCar. Actually, right. before we do IndyCar, I'm going to do some NASCAR because uh, then right. we can... Uh, NASCAR. Because everything's on this weekend. Everything in America is on, on at the same time. NASCAR, yep. Um, yep. having run loads of events, even with spectators over the last few weeks, um, despite... Uh, lots of weather delays um, has finally decided it does need to uh, cancel build roofs on stadiums no oh, right, can okay. cancel some events right what's it cancelling uh, champions week and the NASCAR Cup Series awards <laughs> okay. so no racing uh, they've uh, they will not be happening uh, in November in Nashville uh, but they haven't been cancelled completely. They've just been postponed uh, to a different venue on a date they haven't announced yet. OK. Uh, and IndyCar, you said? IndyCar. Who's going to be testing an IndyCar on Monday? Oh, I know, I know. Can I say this, can I? Jimmy yes. Johnson. Jimmy Johnson is correct. Yeah. Uh, with Chip Ganassi Racing on the road course in Indianapolis. Yeah, very good. He was doing a lot of training um, for his... Upper for his uh, forearms and, and upper body strength um, for that. And he, I think that's really good uh, to see that he's getting another chance to test. Um, his previous chance to test, of course, uh, was supposed to be with Arrow McLaren Schmidt-Peterson at St. Petersburg? No, Barber, the, weekend the week after St. Petersburg. Uh, but obviously, because mm -hmm. St. Petersburg didn't happen, um, that test was cancelled as well. Uh, really? Okay. He always wanted to be a single-seater driver, but uh, yep. lost his opportunity and went into NASCAR instead and only uh, won seven championships. Uh, and don't forget as well that there, there might be an opportunity because at the moment with uh, Scott McLaughlin not being able to come over from Australia to take up uh, his testing and potential seat in IndyCar moving forward, uh, and he doesn't know when he'd be able to get out of the Southern Hemisphere, so I think it'd be alright I do, I think it'd be very good indeed Is it with a, is it with a view to competing? Oh yeah. Or is it just a test? Yeah it no, is no, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, He wants to do the Indy 500 He wants to do the Indy 500 Who right. wouldn't? Um, and he's done car swaps before as well yes. uh, for various sponsors um, in the past yeah. into different things and he, like a number of, of the older guard, you know, um, I, I, I didn't you interview him for us? Jimmy Johnson interview, it, yep. doing it. Jimmy Johnson, he wants to I do Le Mans as well, didn't yeah, he? Did you were in Daytona. On a day trip, yes. For the 24, and he was in the garage. Yes, and I, was, I was actually having a day release from an RC event down the road in uh, Orlando. Yeah. And that he interview is somewhere, somewhere in the archive somewhere. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember doing it, and, and and he said he he'd like to do Indy five hundred and and Le Mans twenty four. Hmm. And he's got the skills for it. Certainly has. Yeah, and the personality. I I would say that, good. That look. was two thousand and ten. Really? Mm. So that's ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
I think it's uh, it's fair to say if he wants to stay in NASCAR, he can stay in NASCAR. But I understand if he if he wants to uh, if he wants to go for another challenge. Eventually, everybody Dif- totally different, though, isn't it? I mean, I know he's he's a skillful driver, and he's got he's got single seater experience in the lower formulas, hasn't he? Didn't he? Yes. And then his path went in in NASCAR. Um, but it's a different different discipline altogether. Mm. Be interesting to see how he goes. I'm sure he'll get there. Current IndyCar um, moves around quite a lot, so yeah, it's he, 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 might, he might fit into it quite well. It's not, it doesn't move around as much as an NASCAR, though. No, no, no. Well, it's, it's much more precise. Well, uh, you know, three and a half thousand pounds versus, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. probably fifteen hundred. Yeah, and he's trained for. You mentioned there, he's he's physically trained for it because the the ex- the physicality of it will be completely different. Yeah, bizarrely, he feels he needs to tone up his upper body to be able to yeah, turn the steering wheel in a car that's half the weight of the one he drives. The, yeah. Yeah. See, that's downforce for you, mate. Uh, yes. Right, Tim, where to next? Uh, a couple more little bits on IndyCar, which is that the capacity for the fans at Indy 500 is going to be at 50%, uh, but they've already sold uh, half of the those tickets. So uh, if you want to go to the Indy 500 this year, hurry up. Uh, and also fans are going to be allowed to watch IndyCar at Road America this year. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, that's interesting because that's got an IMSA-sanctioned... Uh, no, it hasn't. Sorry, I'm mixing that up with Xfinity. Xfinity's going to have the Lamborghini Super Trofeo uh, at Road America with it, which that's going to be a bit of a culture shock for anybody who hasn't seen the Lamborghinis before. And or indeed, what Lamborghini they're. drivers who've never seen NASCAR. Well, uh, the Xfinity series could be good fun, uh, actually. And your final IndyCar story? No, that's it. They were, they were oh, two okay. stories that had very similar theme ah, and I content. See. We're going to move to British Touring Cars now. Well, sort of. Well, yeah. Or have you got an actual British touring I mean, there car? There is an actual British touring car story. Which do you we want to do, do that first? After. Let's do that first. Uh, Andrew Jordan will not be racing yes. this year. He uh, was racing for BMW, but has had to pull out. He was racing for West Surrey, wasn't he? Yes, but that is a BMW works yeah, yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, after... Many years of being in the uh, Pertex-sponsored uh, satellite BMW team, uh, having now gone up to the full BMW, he's had to pull out because uh, of the reshuffle well, calendar. Like, uh, we, I think we mentioned on this show a while back that Pertec have curtailed, and this was long before Cortec. Pertec oh, yes. have curtailed their um, their marketing within motorsport. So Andrew lost his sponsorship. That there is, and I, and. Funny enough, was that did that come out yesterday or was that today? No, that was yesterday, that was yesterday. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I saw that pop up. Somebody um, put that on the um, Midweek Motorsport Listers Collective, and I dropped a line to a couple of um, other drivers in the BTCC paddock. And it, it, it seems I, I I don't think that Andrew is going to be the the last person to withdraw. No. Um, the BTCC. Um, has decided in its wisdom, and uh, listen, there and there's no criticism implied uh, uh, or, or anything here, but they have, they do want to try and run a full season, pretty much, of events. 90 season. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I presume that's uh, television obligations uh, as much as anything else. And that does make for a very, very crowded calendar. Uh, and um, of the two, three, four drivers that I spoke to, three of them, said that it it was they felt it was a bit too much and uh, uh, whether that's had a played in uh, andrew's been very diplomatic 
uh, and it was a, a relatively short statement about why he wouldn't be in the paddock um, this year and he hasn't said anything about going forward and he hasn't answered any questions about going uh, forward so I think we'll just have to have to say changes of foot in uh, British touring cars uh, in the future uh, and last week uh, just before the show in fact early on Wednesday morning uh, it was announced that Darren Turner was going to go back to some BTCC work although not on track as a development driver for the next generation of British touring cars uh, I spoke to him on Thursday of last week and first asked him how the whole project and him getting involved came about yeah I had a, a call from Alan Gower uh, I must have been sort of six seven weeks ago um, just asking if I had availability for being involved with their hybrid program for the, the next sort of generation of, of touring cars. And, you know, I love my time in BTCC, sort of 2006, seven and eight, uh, with Saya, and it was really, really good fun. Um, it was alongside what I was doing with Aston Martin racing anyway. And we, I can remember sitting down with George Howard Chapel and, and saying, look, I've been offered this sort of, uh, potential deal with Sayat and initially it's just running alongside James Thompson in in the first season in 2006 so sharing sort of the races is that possible can I go and do it he's like yeah no problem at all so that gave me my sort of first chance of of being involved with BTCC and and that ended up being a, a sort of a, a two-year deal further uh, after that so seven and eight which was a full season so um yeah that was that was great and that's how I got to know Alan and uh, we've been friends ever since, and um, and then you know this uh, new project's on 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 sort of the development curve at the moment. And he said, "Would you be involved?" And it's like, "Yeah, great." Check with Aston Martin Racing again, and everyone at ProDrive, and asked if uh, you know while we're in this sort of lockdown period, if um, if I can be involved. There's not too much testing with the the GTE uh, program at the moment, and um, and uh, yeah, that's it. So that's how I've ended up being uh, involved with BTCC again. Really looking forward to it. Is this reliability testing? Is it proving the concept testing? Well, I think, you know, firstly is to understand what their their requirements are. You know, the the idea of the sort of the way forward in terms of technology. And I mean, first is to make sure that it does exactly what they think it should do and, and hope to do. You know, there is plans and, and ideas of, of the strategy, but we need to work through those, um, right. those strategies and make sure that it actually does what it, it should do. And it's got to be um, reliable. You know, these touring car teams, you know, that their budgets nowadays aren't, aren't, I don't think, anywhere close to what we were doing with SAIA. And they're certainly nothing like what was being spent in BTCC in, in, uh, in the 90s. So they need something that is reliable, lasts the whole season. And the idea is, I think at this stage, is that it can be used at any point during the race. Mm-hmm. A driver has an amount of energy to be able to use and then he could use it as a uh, a form of attack or it can be used in defense as well so but all of these things we've got to try and understand in the testing and, and just sort of um you know go through the that process of, of learning what it can do and, and how to make it work the most efficiently really presumably it's got to work across a number of different cars uh, and and potentially front and rear wheel drive as well yeah, it's got to be able to fit every every package. You know that the idea is that, from what I understand, is the idea is that you you buy this um, uh, package from Cosworth, and that's the the beauty of the design is that it's an off the shelf solution that will fit any of the sort of um, uh, drive lines of the cars that are on the grid in BTCC, any of the manufacturers that are racing in BTC. It just is plug and play, and yeah. that's what it's got to. You know, the the teams are, you, you know, they're not 
huge racing teams. So you can't just throw really heavy technology into that sort of environment and expect them to be able to sort of um, uh, be able to run them if they're so complicated. And it doesn't need to be complicated. That's the whole beauty of BTCC. It's about yeah. the racing. It's about the show and how robust it is as well. So it's got to add to what what is the excitement of BTCC. So, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, technically it's going to be one of those things that is an easy solution and easy to install. And um, reliability has got to be key because you can imagine, you know, adding this technology to the cars and then suddenly they're all sort of sitting there on the grid and it's not going anywhere uh, and it's causing other issues then you know that's going to be a disaster so it's got to be one of those things that's plug and play and away you go so what car are you going to be testing it on and who are you going to be working with darren so i'm with speedworks the team that's based up near alton park um and um it's going to be in their toyota so they've got a test car um a development car that's used by toka um for i guess for tire testing for anything that's required again i'm on a learning curve with this because it's all new to me as well and um you know with cosworth coming in you know, there's going to be a, a steep learning curve from both sides. The teams that's running it, so at this time it's Speedworks and Cosworth, as they as they work out the best solution for installation. But I'm sure the design is is very thorough at the moment. Hopefully, there isn't component changes, and it's just sort of um, tweaking the software and and understanding its capabilities while it's in the environment. And you know, you could do a lot of bench testing with any of these components and um, any technology. But until you get it in the actual real environment um, with all the noise and vibrations and heat that you get within a racing car, you don't really know um, if it's absolutely going to be perfect and reliable. So by the time the product gets to the teams, it's um, completely signed off and and reliable and, and the teams don't have to worry about it. Sounds exciting, and clearly you you are raring to go on it. What's happening in Aston Martin world at the moment? Is starting to come come back to life in terms of of plans being made for what is going to be a busy second half of the year? Because we've got to fit effectively any full seasons that are going to continue into into four months, haven't we? Yeah, I mean it's I mean what a strange world it's been. Um, you know the. The day that uh, President Trump was sort of uh, explaining that they're locking down the country was, I think, on a, a Thursday evening. Um, and uh, most of us were on flights, early flights on Friday. So we got the call from Paul Howard, the team manager at Aston Martin Racing. And he said, wait until I've uh, I've sort of um, confirmed a few things. So later on that day, it's like nine o'clock. It was like, OK, right. None of us had actually gone down to the airport. We're not going to Sebring at this point. Um, and just stand by. So we've been basically standing by since then, uh, ready to go. And, um, you know, the cars are now back from America. They're back at um, Aston Martin Racing Base in in Banbury. Um, uh, Sort of regular conference calls, just sort of keeping us up to date with how things are looking for when we go back to racing. Obviously, with um, WEC, they've announced the calendar with, with Spa and Le Mans and, and Bahrain. So at the moment, the focus is all about those three races and and being prepared for those. So we've got a test coming up in July, um, which will be getting all the team back together and running through everything like a race weekend. You know, there's there's performance testing that we've got to be doing over those three days, but it's also about gelling everyone back up to speed because, you know, if you've had this is going to be a long break, longer than normal, um, when we don't actually have time with the cars and the teams and. Uh, and our teammates and so 
Um, it's just going to take a bit of time to get back up to speed. But I think, you know, the, the amount of preparation everyone's been doing back at Banbury now that people are starting to come back to work um, means that we should be sort of hitting the ground running in July. But pretty much everyone, whatever the sport or industry they're in, they just want to get get, get going again. So um, hopefully it's, uh, it's July when we get going. Uh, Le Mans in September is going to be a different proposition. We did the iRacing 24 and they ran it on the 19th and 20th of September. So about three and three quarters, four hours more darkness, different temperatures. It's going to be a completely, well, not completely different race, but certainly going to have a, 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 dip, a different character, isn't it? I think the whole week is going to be different. You know, I've seen the schedule now and, uh, you know, the week really doesn't get going until Wednesday. So where normally you're sort of driving down Friday or, or Saturday down to Le Mans the week before, um, and you could be one of the teams that's getting scrutinized on Sunday or, or, or Monday. But, you know, you, you know it's a good week of being at Le Mans, and now it's uh, nothing really gets going until Wednesday. You know, and, and it actually looks quite fun, you know, the way they've sort of moved it all around. Um, and Wednesday's going to be a busy day, and, um, you know, it's going to be different for all the team as well on, on how to sort of plan your sleep for that week as well. But you're, you're right, the... the the difference in the amount of daylight we're going to have throughout the race and the fact that we're going to have sort of three or four hours more darkness um, and the ambient temperatures are, are probably going to be different. It's, a, it's going to be a different race. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of our conversations are about in terms of, OK, so what do we need to really focus on? Because when you go there, normally your, your focus is on what's happening during the daylight. You know you're going to have like six, six maybe hours I guess it's sort of 10.30 that it starts to get dark in, in June around um, uh, that time of the year. So daylight around 5 a.m. So you're not to, talking more than six and a half, seven hours of darkness, really. But now, you know, that's going to be pushing into sort of the, the 12, well, 11, 12 hours maybe. So, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be a completely different thing. And the focus has to be on, OK, we're going to run a lot more in, in that sort of period. So now what do we do with tyre choices? Yeah. Um, what compounds are we going to use? What about the lights? I know this is one of those things that it, <laughs> it should be obvious, but you know when you're running a, a short period of the, the race in the dark, the lights are important. It is an important part of, of what we do in our preparation and everything else, but that's going to be even more critical. Yes. There's lots to do, you lots and lots to do before we, we get back to, uh, to Le Mans in September, but hopefully the test later in, in July will, will sort of get us through most of that list, really. Got to talk about base performance as well because I'm presuming that's been run off its feet. Yeah, it's been it's been a bit crazy really because the, there's two sides to the business. We make sims and um, uh, for teams or individuals, and um, so the sort of the bread and butter of the company has always been the rental side of people coming to use our sims at, in Banbury and uh, prepare for race weekends, but. As soon as the racing all stopped, the, those sort of people coming through the door, naturally that all stopped as well. And then we were all into the lockdown. So that side of the business has been very much uh, uh, mothballed until recently when we've been able to open the doors again. But the sales side of the company has just been manic. Um, we've delivered sims to Dario, Frankitti, Plato, Karun, uh, Chandok and... Uh, and Anthony Davison, to name a few, during this period, and it's um, you know they, they've sort of rung up and said, "Look, I need a sim. I'm going esports. I need to go to and do this esports. I need to be involved." <laughs> so we've um, we've had to pull the stops out to get components because that's been the biggest issue during of this course, period is, yeah. is getting supply, 
yeah, it's been it's been quite challenging um, for a little business, um, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of challenges ahead. You know, a lot of industry is is suffering. Yeah, we all just need to stick together and um, work as a team and uh, try and sort of push ourselves out of where we are at the moment. But it's been it's been good. You know, I think we're reasonably healthy, um, but we just need to sort of get our heads down and, and sort of make make sure that we come out the other side of this in a in a healthy position and and a, and a viable position as well. So, but yeah, really good. You know, and, and I've enjoyed the esports that I've been doing as well. That's been something I've not really been involved. Having done twenty two years of of simulation work, you know, starting with McLaren with the F1 simulator and then moving around to different manufacturers and, and the F1 teams on, on their simulator program. So, you know, I see the cutting edge. I see where the big budgets are spent on engineering simulators. Um, and I haven't really been involved with esports. You know, I only just uh, set up my iRacing account, um, uh, I think in December or something like that. Um, and I'm still, I think I did three or four races and I still have my little Mazda that I've got to do and get my license and move <laughs> up. Yeah, it's been really good fun to sort of get a little bit more involved with the esports. Um, and um, yeah, you know, that that's something that I think will carry on after, you know, even though Great. we're all starting to head back to to the real world and real racing. Really good, I think, for a lot of drivers that haven't looked at it before because it's opened our eyes to how competitive it is and the amount of preparation that's required to be competitive and to be fast. So, um, yeah, that's been really good. And, you know, as a company, look, you know, ignoring me as a driver, but as a company based performance, one of the things we've been doing is, is bringing in some of these um, pro sim drivers to help us understand what makes you go quick in the esport world. It's a bit different. You know, normally we're helping people go fast in, in using simulators to help them go fast in reality. Now we're using sim drivers to help us go fast in the virtual world. So, uh, yeah, completely different, uh, complete change. But, you know, it's been great fun to sort of do that. And, um, you know, Aston Martin Racing has has been success, successful as well. You know, with Charlie Eastwood and Nicky team, they've won the Manufacturers Championship together. So that's been great for the team to have some sort of focus for for the drivers during this lockdown. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The WhatsApp group, you know, I'm on a number of whatsapp groups for all these different esport uh, championships that's going on and you know it's been quite colorful and, and a lot of banter oh, going yeah. on, <laughs> on on that so it's been good fun uh, i can only i can only imagine uh, good news to hear that the, the business is in rude health keep the family safe as well darren always a pleasure to talk to you it's been too long since we've had a proper catch up we probably could have talked for another hour uh, to be honest darren turner thanks for joining us on midweek motorsport thanks john take care Darren Turner, that was uh, recorded last Thursday, just before he went up to see Speedworks and had the first run in that Toyota. Really sensible stuff from Darren. A lot of people seeing Kevin Payne seeing that. Tom Firth has uh, tweeted the details of the Cosworth unit. I've retweeted that on at Specutainment. Uh, and a lot of people interested in that. And I, uh, I said this to Darren after we'd finished that recording. That's a very similar concept to the DPI 2.0 or LMDH uh, concept that IMSA are working with at the, at the moment for their new set of regulations. And fair play to British Touring Cars. First major championship for touring cars to... Uh, propose a hybrid that was two years ago now I think wasn't it back in 18 and first to get their full specs out as well very clever stuff have a look at that link that Tom Firth uh, has tweeted and I retweeted spec entertainment couple of points from earlier on uh, on the collective um, 
uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, his wife won't let him run in the uh, road course on the ovals. It's only going to be on uh, the road courses, thanks to Matthew Hindman. Yeah, because obviously Williams he's got so little oval experience. Uh, well, exactly, yeah. Williams Advance Engineering WAE, owned by EMK Capital, which is a venture capital firm uh, that can begin on the collective on Facebook. Stay tuned. Uh, Nick and Joe are hanging around for our 2020 FIA Formula One World Championship preview. It gets underway this weekend uh, in Austria. And we do have download, listen on demand or various repeats of the previously in IMSA with Jeremy Sean Shea Adam that was on the air yesterday evening. We'll have live IMSA uh, at the weekend. Uh, I think we're looking at Friday for, for uh, practice and then Saturday for qualifying and the race. All the details at radio-show.co.uk. Sound and vision for some of those sessions as well. Thanks to Tim, to all my guests, particularly to uh, Joe and Nick, who are staying on. Just time for a piece of chocolate cake before we get started, but there's no time uh, to explain because the Llama has a very busy weekend in many series. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.